Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Last Man Standing a Wrestling Podcast. This week they did the exact opposite of what I felt like they should do on Raw and started with a Firefly Funhouse package that recalled the lackluster match that was Seth Rollins versus The Fiend at Hell in a Cell. In my opinion, they really should try to bury that as deep as they can and just completely forget about it, act like it never happened, never reference it because none of the fans enjoyed it. Uh... The way that they they ended it, there was so much confusion. It's just not worth referencing. Uh, but that's that's just my opinion. Luckily, they went right after that into Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flit for the first match of the night. Becky representing Raw and Charlotte representing SmackDown. This would determine who would get the first pick in the last night of the draft. Another good match from these two ladies. The only thing that keeps it from being great, in my opinion, is just how repetitive it has been. Not not in that there was a lot of repeat in the match itself, but we've seen this match over and over and over and over again. Becky's reference it. Bailey's reference it. They Both champs are saying that they want new opponents, but they keep giving them just the same old stuff. Don't get me wrong. Flair is a great competitor, but let's, let's give some of the other ladies a chance. They have plenty to prove and they are just maybe, maybe not just as good, but we have no idea, no, no way of knowing because they don't give them a shot. Um, I feel like Lynch and Flair could carry whoever, whoever they're in programs with to elevate that elevate the division to a higher level that's just my opinion but anyways in the end flair would go for the pin get a two count would sit to ponder and then as she was pondering as as we've seen heels do wondering what they could do next lynch would sneak in a pin for the win um again like last week i'm going to save the save the draft picks till the end so we're just going to talk about the matches and then we'll talk about the the draft picks at the end of the discussion part of raw um next we had andrade with zelina vega versus ali this was a good match from these two fast-paced superstars with some good back and forth uh the end would see andrade hit his hammerlock ddt for the three count it, it was kind of shorter than what I felt like it could have been. Um, I realize that they have a lot of talent they need to showcase, but at the same time, they don't give the talent they, they are are showcasing enough time to, to truly perform, in my opinion. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe this draft will help out with that, with, with the, the no longer having the wild card rule. We'll see. Uh, next, we had the Viking Raiders versus Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler. The Raiders would start out strong, but eventually Roode and Ziggler would find their footing. Um, Of course, taking over as only they could, but towards the end, the Raiders would come back, hitting the Viking experience for the win, becoming the new Raw Tag Team Champions. I really hope this leads to a confrontation between them and the OC who was drafted to Raw on SmackDown. So that could be a great, great program um i definitely talked about it in the past i talked about how i wanted one of the teams to win the tag team championships here they are now we've got something to go off of uh i know i've said that i'm not going to talk too much about promos except for when something important happens or something i find interesting in this case it did after a commercial break they did an interview segment with the viking raiders who had just become the raw tag team champs it surprised me that creative and vince allowed them to talk about the iwgb and the Ring of Honor tag team titles. So New Japan and Ring of Honor were both mentioned on this week's Raw. Uh, again, just interesting to me. The next match that we got was Aleister Black 
versus Eric Young. Black came out quick, taking control of the match as they continued to show him as a character of dominance, ending in a submission using a move he calls the Dark Ritual. Uh, I, I don't feel like this is fair to Eric Young. I know that people have to have to lose, but Eric Young is a great talent and they haven't really used him to his full capability. Um, but I don't know. Again, hopefully this draft can fix things like this. Who knows? Uh, the next match we got was Ricochet versus Shelton Benjamin. A decent match between these two. Good back and forth, good pacing, and a shifting of momentum with very little drop-off. Ricochet would flip out of a superplex and react with a recoil for the win. Um, again, the, this is the type of match they need to have. I feel like one of WWE's issues is that they don't do well with pacing of the match. Uh, they, they have these fast segments and then it just dies so that they can reset up for their next group and then go back to good pacing and then dies again. This I didn't feel like this match had that. I felt like it was constant throughout and it was it was all in all a good match. Uh, next we had Buddy Murphy and Cedric Alexander. These two put on a pretty good match, but I don't know. It it almost feels like they're still being throttled back by the WWE. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, when the cruiserweights were initially brought back as more than just the tournament. Uh, rumors were abound that WWE wanted them to still do their thing, but slower. So to try to lessen the risk, but at the same time, that made it less entertaining. That made it less like the cruiserweights of old, what everybody, the type of cruiserweights that everybody enjoyed watching. Um, but I don't know. It, it, it was still a good match. I just, I feel like that they, they're still holding them back. Uh, buddy Murphy would pick up the win oddly enough with Murphy's law, um, this, this has been really odd that they've been pulling back on Cedric Alexander and that they started to push him. There's rumors that, that Vince doesn't like Cedric, which I don't know why he wouldn't like him. Uh, only only Vince could tell us, and we all know he's not going to just come out and say, no, I don't like that guy. He, he, we're going to hold on to him, but we're going to make him look like crap. They, they won't say that. Uh, so Next, we had the Kabuki Warriors versus Natalia and Lacey Evans. And not going to lie, I was I was a bit confused by this move. Uh, they've been fighting for months, and now they are instantly friends. I mean, I guess it worked out for Sheamus and Cesaro, so why not these ladies? It, they, did, they did do well together. Uh, the Kabuki Warriors would do a good job of isolating Lacey, but as the momentum goes, it would shift and Natalia would get the tag and take it to the Warriors. She would get Asuka into the sharpshooter, which would require Zayn to save her partner. This match had so much potential in both corners. I was really disappointed in what we got. Extremely slow paced, just just a whole bunch of nothing to, to write home about. Uh, so in the end, Asuka would make a blind tag and roll up Evans. So yeah, there's that for you. We ended the show with another another home of Bray Wyatt's character burning down as Seth Rollins found the funhouse, beat down Bray, and then lit it on fire. Yeah, kind of lackluster of an ending, but Seth did say throughout the show that he was going to find Bray and beat him up, and I guess that's what he did. So, let's get into the draft. The first round for the night saw Seth Rollins hurrah. Brock to SmackDown, Charlotte Flair to Raw, New Day to SmackDown, Andre, Andre, Andrade with Zelina Vega to SmackDown. Second round, we got the Kabuki Warriors to Raw. You know what? I'm just, I'm, I'm done. If you guys want to know about the draft, look it up. You'll, you'll notice it when you watch the show, if you watch the show or when I'm talking about it. 
I just, there's a lot of drafts and it just, I don't know. I don't feel like going over it all. So I just won't. <laughs> uh, if you don't like it, if you want me to go over the rest of the draft, uh, hit me up on Twitter. You can find me there. Uh, obviously, you found this link through Twitter. If not, you, you should be able to find me on Twitter. Just go out there, find me, hit me up on it. Say, hey, why didn't you finish the draft? Maybe I'll go back and, and tack it on there for you. Uh, next, we have NXT. Tommaso Ciampa and Angel Garza started the match. Started the match. Started the night. Obviously, it started the match. This match was pedal to the metal from the start of the bout. It did slow down a bit, but not too much. The announcers would say that this benefits Garza, but I, I'm going to disagree with them there. Um, let's not forget that Ciampa came to the WWE and NXT via the Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, so he's he's used to the fast-paced action. He can, he can keep up with these guys. It shouldn't be a surprise that he can do it. Uh, anyways, this was a good showing from Ciampa's return with no signs of ring rust. He would win the with the Willow's Bell and a three count. After the match, the Undisputed Era would come out. O'Reilly would toss a USB drive to Mauro Ranallo and say, You might want to take a look at this. Uh, we would find out after the commercial break that it was a backstage segment that shows the aftermath of a beatdown by the Undisputed Era on Velveteen Dream. This would lead William Regal to announce that due to Velveteen Dream's injury, he would not be able to face Roderick Strong next week for the North American title. So instead, Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic for the number one contender spot, which would take place later in the evening. Next up, we had Io Cherie versus Caden Carter. This was a good match between these two ladies. Albeit it was very short. Uh, I'm not usually a heel person, but I really enjoy this new attitude from Shuri. Um, she would talk crap against Rhea Ripley, who would come out and confront her and tell her not to t say her name again, or else she'd come out and knock her teeth out. That this should be interesting. I feel like there should be either a fatal three-way or a fatal four-way. A fatal three-way for a number one contender match, or at War Games, do a fatal four-way for the number for the title, uh, featuring Rhea Ripley, Io Shiri, uh Shayna Baszler, obviously, and uh, Bianca Belair. If if they do the three-way, then obviously you take out uh, Baszler and just leave the other three to, to fight it out and determine who's the number one contender. Uh, I'm leaving out, even though I really like Dakota Kai and Candice LeRae, they've been in losing efforts here recently, so they I don't feel like they should be in that that mix. Uh, however, you could do do kind of like a, a six pack a six pack match and have have those two added to it, and then maybe maybe even add Tegan Knox, who's recovering. Uh, I'm not sure if I would put her in a high profile match just yet, but that's that's just me. Uh, anyways, back to the topic at hand. Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic was next, which made, was made, like I said, into a number one contenders match for the North American title due to the injury. This match had some very impressive moments from these two super heavyweights, even going as far as some high-risk maneuvers that you wouldn't expect to see from people of their size. Uh, this match would end in a disqualification because Roderick Strong thought he'd outsmart the system and attack both of them with the title, causing a double DQ. Uh, William Regal told him, hey, guess what? Now you get to face both of them. So next week we have a triple threat match versus Roderick Strong, 
and then these two gentlemen. So that that should be very interesting. Um, although I'm not sure how long Lee and Dijakovic will stay in NXT, being that they are the type of guys that NXT or not NXT, but that Vince like to go for. So we will just have to wait to see how long they go if they will take the title from Strong or not. It's just. Who knows? Next, we had Matt Riddle versus Bronson Reed. A good performance from both of these guys and a good bounce back for Riddle after his loss to Adam Cole. His loss to Adam Cole was... was it was a very impressive match. It was, it was by no means any any type of embarrassment. It wasn't a squash match. Uh, but to, to remain in... In the hunt, he needed a good bounce back, and this was definitely that for him. Uh, Riddle still has plenty to show off, but is well on his way. And while Reed proves that he belongs here, so it was a good match. Riddle would win this match. Uh, so, uh, it, like I said, it was a good match for both of them. They both showcased very well. Uh, next, we had Tegan Knox versus Tainara was a decent match for returning Knox was a few few miscues um which you couldn't quite tell if you weren't paying attention um but they they were definitely there like if you blinked you would have missed them so they weren't anything major but again she's just coming back from from injury she's got to get back into that the whole ring performance thing she'll get there she's an amazing performer i'm not worried about it but regardless these ladies put on a good outing during the post-match interview after knox had won baszler and her group would walk down to confront knox and kai who had made her way down to talk some crap and then they made their exit anyways balor said he has returned to find his heart and that next week his future will be his past which i do believe means we'll see him in action uh there's been some some promotional stuff out there that kind of show uh his his demon gimmick as part of his past i'm wondering if they're going to debut the demon on nxt a weekly event or if they're still going to hold off for pay-per-views like they did when his initial run uh, I, I thought it was better if that they held it off for, for pay-per-views, but that's that's just me. Um, anyways, Boa versus Killian Dane was next. Boa would come out fast, forcing Dane to retreat, but this is where Dane would take control. Uh, he'd impose his will on Boa, just demolishing him. Dane would use this match to make a statement, demolishing Boa, hitting three Vader bombs, and then submitting Boa. Uh, it... It was a very for for wanting to establish just dominance. It definitely it definitely did really well for for Killian Dane. Uh, Pete Dunn versus Damian Priest was next and the final match of the night. A clinic put on by these two. Both men showing off what brings them to the table. Dunn just doing everything he could to just lay a vicious beating while Damian Priest was all over the place. Uh, it was well paced, momentum shifting naturally between these two, without leaving. One in doubt, Priest would would pick up the victory after a low blow, followed by the reckoning for the win. This is this was the end of the match. It was good, like I said, decent match all around. Next out, we're gonna again continue with the WWE side of things. We're gonna talk about SmackDown. SmackDown was a it was an all right show, not the not as good as some of the others, but there's still it was still. I think it was better than Raw, in my opinion. It wasn't as good as NXT, but 
you know, NXT is really where it's happening right now. So anyways, Roman Reigns versus Shinsuke Nakamura with Sami Zayn was the start of the night. It was for the Intercontinental title. was a decent match between these two with good pacing. Sami Zayn would pay his dividends, saving Nakamura a couple of times. But as it looked like Reigns would hit the spear, Corbin came out and attacked him from behind with his scepter, ending the match in disqualification. As Corbin and Nakamura were both about to double-team Reigns, Brian would come out and make the save, but the numbers game would still catch up them, and he would get beaten down as well. This would lead to a tag team match later in the night. This is kind of an odd pairing. I'm wondering if they're going somewhere with this Reigns and Brian, Brian teaming up thing because it's happened a couple of times. Uh, it, I don't know. It'd be interesting. They, they make, they do well together. So who knows next we had Chad Gable versus Curtis Axel. Now, the first thing I'm going to say is, uh, even though Chad Gable's embracing this whole, whole shorty Gable thing, um, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like it's, it's dumb. And so I'm just going to keep calling him Chad Gable, whatever he, he accepts that that's what they're going to call him. So, but I don't have to. I'm, I don't tow the company line because I don't work for that company. So it was a quick match with Gable picking up the win via submission. Next, we had Heavy Machinery and the New Day. Xavier Woods and Big E. Uh, now, Kofi would come out with them, but he would not participate in this match. Uh, versus Bobby Roode, Dolph Ziggler, and The Revival. The faces would start out strong, showcasing multiple double teams, but as the momentum would shift, shift as it always does the hills would take over and cut off xavier woods once the momentum shifted again though they would remain control the new day would hit up up down down for the win uh next we had Miz tv featuring bailey with sasha banks they cut the usual heel turn promo that bailey was unappreciated by the fans yada 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 i still don't care I, i'm a bailey fan I will be for life. It was the same when they tried to turn Becky Lynch heel, which failed miserably, by the way, if you guys don't recall that. That was the worst attempt ever. Uh, it totally backfired on him. We did not accept that. Bailey's Bailey's is at least going well, but the I, I don't know. It's it's always the same thing. I wasn't appreciated as a face. I, di I didn't get this from my fans. I didn't get this. Make something new. You know, that's, that's what we want is something new, something different. I don't feel like it would have been that hard to just say, I'm sticking with my friend or, Hey, I just had a change of heart. I, this is, this is who I've been the whole time. Like they were originally doing, actually, that's the, that's the way they were going is this is who I've been. I've, I've been sticking with my friend. I'm trying to be a good role model, but instead, ah, I was underappreciated. That's what it is. It, it just seemed too, too standard. Anyways, next out, we had a six-pack challenge for the number one contendership for the SmackDown women's title. Dana Brooke, Nikki Cross, Lacey Evans, Sonya Deville, Carmella, and Mandy Rose were the six participants. These, these tend to be strong matches for the WWE because with multiple competitors allow for small breaks for each one so they can reset up. Like, like I discussed before where they have issues that they need to reset up for the next, next big go. Uh, this allows them to do that while focusing on another two competitors, allowing them to do their thing. In the end, Nikki Cross would be the one picking up the win. Not going to lie, I didn't see that one coming. I really expected them to give it to either Evans or Rose, just because that's 
that's been the two of of the ladies that the, that were in this match. That's been the ladies that they've been pushing the most. Uh, so I'm kind of excited to see where this match goes. Uh, it it could be really exciting. It could be. Uh, anyways, Braun Strowman versus Drew Gulak. Another quick match in which Strowman simply just dominated. I mean, they're, they're not a lot of guys Strowman's size, but if I were trying to portray him as getting ready for Tyson Fury, I, I would have written him to face a larger opponent with, with more similarities to Fury. Uh, it'd be kind of hard-pressed to find somebody like that currently in the WWE, but you could have you brought somebody like Dijakovic. You could have brought Keith Lee. Um, uh, you could have put him against Luke Harper, Eric Rowan. Any of those guys would be something more comparable than somebody who just came over from from the cruiserweights. So that's my two cents. Not that they have a lot of time to, to fix that. They've got one more show before uh, Crown Jewel. So, But that's the way I would go. Uh, Brian and Reigns versus Nakamura and Corbin would end the show. This was a great match with good back and forth, good pacing, a mix of both in and out of the ring action. Brian would pick up the win after dodging the King Sasha and hitting his own running knee for the three count. This would end the show. Now let's get into AEW. SCU versus the best friends would start the night. However, before the match could start, Lucha Brothers would attack SCU from behind, taking out Christopher Daniels, who was supposed to ta tag with Kazarian for this, this tournament. However, with him out, Scorpio Sky would take his place since he is... Also a part of SCU, they allowed it. Uh, this this saw some good tag team action from both teams. In the end, we would see Sky pick up the win. Uh, there were some funny moments during, in this match. It was pretty good. Uh, but anyways, next we had Ortiz and Santana versus Alex Reno Reynolds and John Silver. Uh, yeah, this was a quick match. It was a it was a squash match for Santana and Ortiz to get them over. They would win with the Street Sweeper. Next, we had Britt Baker versus Riho for the AEW women's title. This was a good-paced match, both ladies showcasing their skills. The in-sequence would see Baker lock in her lockjaw submission, but no sooner had this happened than Rio would roll her over for the pin. Uh, it, it was a good match between these ladies. Like The ladies ladies in both, both major companies right now, AEW and WWE, are really, really... The most impressive right now, in my opinion, I think they them and currently what's going on with AEW's tag division is where it's at. Uh, speaking of tag divisions, we had Lucha Brothers versus Jurassic Express next. Uh, it was a great fast paced action. One of my favorite moments was when it looked like Phoenix of the Lucha Brothers missed a mark and slipped on the top rope. He kept going. Now, I did go back and rewatch this later on. Uh, I saw clips of it online. I rewatched it on my DVR. It actually turned out he didn't miss it. It just the way it looked in the moment. It looked like he'd slipped. Um, I was definitely amused by it. Uh, I just thought that it looked cool. Uh, anyways, the Lucha Brothers would win this match and move on in the tournament. Um, yeah. Next, we had Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus John Moxley and Pac. Highlight of this match for me was towards the end when Omega goes under the ring and pulls out his barbed wire broom and Moxley brought out his barbed wire bat and the ref was just like, nope, I'm out. Like, 
They both enter the ring. They were ready to go at it. The ref's like, don't do it, don't do it. And then just leaves. Like, nah, this, uh, not, you do not pay me enough for this crap. Anyways, Pac would disarm both of these men before they could get into it, before things got out of hand, and would look at Moxley and be like, what are you thinking? This is dumb. You're going to get us disqualified. I want to win. Because AEW does does keep track of their wins and losses. It It is something that matters to their to their standings. Um, Moxley would give him the bird and be like, well, I'm out and hit him with a paradigm shift and just be done for his troubles. This would leave him alone with page and Omega. They would dominate him as you would expect being left two and one, two on one. And they would pick up the win. This would lead to a match that will happen this week. It will be Moxley versus pack. So that ought to be really good. I'm really excited about that match. So, uh, a lot of people are worried about it. They're talking about how, how they shouldn't do this since wins and losses do matter. Um, but that's just it. it. That what, what would make a more entertaining match than two people who don't want to lose and, and need the win. I feel like it's, it's a great idea on their part. Uh, anyways, next we had Darby Allen versus Chris Jericho for the AEW title in a Philadelphia street fight, Jericho would bring out his painmaker gimmick from new Japan. It was interesting. I just, I don't know. I'm not a fan of this gimmick. It was a good match that saw plenty of back and forth from both participants, though Jericho would win. Allen put out a hell of a performance and should be someone we keep an eye on down the road. Kids got a bright future. So anyways, that was AEW Dynamite. This has been the last man standing a wrestling podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I do apologize again for the late post. I've just had a lot going on both personally and then just work and just life and stuff. But you guys don't want to hear about that. I do appreciate you listening. If you are, take care and I will see you on the flip side.